54 people joined the church. 54 people. That was amazing. And uh, so God is really expanding us, and we're thankful for that. And how many of you love the Word of God today? All right. We've been talking about piercing the darkness. There it is right up there. And today I want to talk to you about Wanted, a politically incorrect church. That's what I want. So, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. You will know by the time I'm done. But piercing the darkness, please remember what I've been saying every week for the last three weeks. There's two kind of churches in our country today. The church that is either caving in to the darkness, compromising with the Word, letting the culture shape them, or there's the church that refuses to cave in to the darkness, but instead is getting on the offense and piercing the darkness and driving the darkness out and letting the light of Jesus shine. Now, I don't know about you, but you couldn't catch me dead or alive in a church that's caving in to the culture. We're going to be a church that pierces the darkness, and if we're going to do it, we're going to have to be politically incorrect. Let's look at the verse, 2 Timothy 1, 7. We all know this verse. For God, read it with me, everybody, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline, or some say a sound mind. Notice, the spirit God gave you is not one of fear, or not one that is intimidated, but is a spirit of power, boldness, love, forthrightness, honesty, force, and a sound mind. Father, thank you for your word today, and I pray your hand upon this church and churches all over America who will stand up to the darkness, let their light shine, and drive it back. We thank you for it. Now, will you pray with me and just say, Lord, help me to be somebody who pierces the darkness, takes a stand in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll turn to your neighbor and tell them, perk up and listen. You're going to need this. Guarantee you. Well, summertime's almost over. School starts, um, I think, in about a week. So all of you parents who uh, feel like that's a blessing, say amen. All you teenagers say, oh, me. Well, they're all in another class. But anyway, piercing the darkness. We've seen in the last few weeks that the church that pierces the darkness is going to have certain characteristics. We've looked at the church that pierces the darkness will learn to stay in the race by turning pain into gain. That's the first one. The second characteristic of a church that pierces the darkness is that church is going to stay with the Word of God no matter what the cost. The church that pierces the darkness will not throw the Word of God out out of fear or intimidation, but will stand up and say this is God's truth. And now today, I want to talk to you very sincerely about this issue of political correctness. The church that pierces the darkness will resist and will defy political correctness. Now, you may be saying, well, what in the world is political correctness? I've heard a lot about it, and it's usually kind of a joke. People talk about uh, PC. I'm gonna, I will refer to it here on out as PC to save myself a lot of syllable waste. PC. 
We joke about PC. We say, oh, they're just being politically correct. They're just being PC. And we think that it's funny. But you know, folks, PC is no longer a joke. PC is no longer funny. Well, what is PC? What is political correctness? It is defined as this. Listen carefully. It's the use of language or conduct that deliberately avoids giving offense, particularly on the basis of ethnic origin or sexual orientation. So political correctness is all about not offending somebody. That's what we're told, particularly as to their race or their moral lifestyle. Political correctness says you should not be judging anybody. You should not stand in judgment or condemn anybody. You should not look askance at anybody concerning their ethnicity or their moral lifestyle. Now that sounds good. That sounds fine. As a matter of fact, it almost sounds Christian, right? Not to judge. But not really. As a matter of fact, let me tell you something today. PC has become the number one enemy of the church of Jesus Christ. PC has become the number one enemy of the church of Jesus Christ. And I want to submit something to you today about PC. Political correctness is not about really not offending somebody. That's really not what it has come down to. But political correctness is a form of cultural Marxism where for the first time in our history, Americans have to be fearful about what they say or what they write or of what they even think. We have become afraid of using the wrong word, a word that uh, has been denounced as offensive or insensitive or racist or sexist or homophobic. For the first time in the history of America, the land of free speech, we're afraid of spe free speech. We're afraid of saying what we really think. There are certain words and phrases and thoughts we're no longer supposed to have. And do you know that I read recently about a person who had actually lived in the Soviet Union under hardcore communism, and they said there was nothing like every day getting up and being very afraid of what you said. Because what you said, there was always somebody listening. There was always, always somebody homed in on what you spoke about. And if you said the wrong thing, you could actually be arrested, taken to the gulags, you could eat, you could lose your family, lose your job, even lose your future and your life because of what you said. And we used to look at that and say, my, how horrible. But PC has now become a form of cultural Marxism. There are certain things we can no longer say that we should no longer think. And if we say them or it becomes known that we think them, we are not taken to jail yet. But with the passing of hate crime legislation, some are already experiencing being arrested, being persecuted, being threatened based on simply not agreeing with political correctness and saying things that they should not. We are, every day that goes by, increasingly coming under a form of cultural Marxism through political correctness. As a matter of fact, I believe that PC, if you look behind it at the spiritual motivation that is behind it and the spiritual force that is behind it, it's very dark and it's very satanic. And I believe that PC has come upon our country to muzzle the Word of God. 
It's about silencing the testimony of Scripture concerning sin and right and wrong. It's about snuffing out the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's about shutting God out of our society. Jesus said these words. This is the verdict. He said in John 3, verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. Well, where does the light come from? It comes from the Word of God. So what better way to shut out the light than to make it wrong to speak the convictions of the Word of God? What do those who hate the light do? It says everybody who does evil said Jesus hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. So if you're walking in the light, you're happy for the light to shine on your life for all to see because you know you're walking in what is right and not wrong. But if you're walking in darkness and you love darkness, you don't want the light penetrating that darkness. So what better way to stop the light than to bring about political correctness where it's wrong to pass a judgment on what God's Word says is wrong or right. Now, political correctness has crowned one word, the king of all words. One word. And here it is. That word is tolerance. We've got to be tolerant. Doesn't that sound so spiritual, so loving, so even Christian? We need to be tolerant of one another. If you're illuminated, if you have seen the light, you will be tolerant. Now, what does tolerance mean? Well, we all have an understanding of the word tolerance. Not long ago, the word tolerance meant bearing with or putting up with somebody or something not especially liked. You know, we tolerate people all the time that we don't particularly like. You know, the Bible says love everyone. It doesn't say you've got to like everyone. Did you know that you can love somebody you don't like? So we understand tolerance to mean that you're putting up with something that grates on you, but you do it out of graciousness. You're, you're tolerating something. But now tolerance has been redefined. And I want you to listen very carefully to this because you were affected by what I'm going to talk about today. You were affected by it this week. You're going to battle with it until God shuts it down. It is your battle. This is my battle. So listen carefully. Tolerance has been redefined to mean this. All values, all beliefs, all lifestyles, all truth claims are equal and should therefore be graciously tolerated. Now I'm going to say that again. Tolerance, the new definition, the PC definition is this. That all values, no matter what they are, all beliefs, all religions, all lifestyles, all truth, all morality claims are equal. And therefore, you and I should graciously tolerate them. Which means don't say anything about them. Which means don't pass a judgment on them. Denying this, if you do not adhere to this new definition of tolerance it makes you an intolerant person and thus worthy of society's contempt now where does this leave christians it leaves us in trouble you know why because since we believe in the uniqueness of jesus christ above all other faiths we are deemed intolerant 
As a matter of fact, did you know that Jesus wouldn't get into a lot of churches in our day? Jesus would be considered very intolerant. He would not be PC. Jesus would be extremely politically incorrect. Jesus said, for instance, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody. Everybody say nobody. That means nobody. Not here, not in the east, nowhere. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. No one gets to the Father except through him. Jesus, what a politically incorrect statement. You need to become tolerant because it really doesn't matter how we get there. As long as we get there, hug a tree. And if you mean well, you'll get there. No. Jesus would be considered very politically incorrect. He was very exclusive. He was very unique. He was very one way. He was very narrow road. The Apostle Peter put it this way. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Do you hear the exclusivity of that statement? No one else. No other name. My Simon Peter, you need to get up to speed. You need to become illuminated and become more tolerant. No, there is a difference between tolerance and just telling the truth. And so we believe, if you're a genuine born-again, Bible-believing, God-loving Christian, then you have got to believe this. No one else, no other name. And that means, according to the culture out there that is politically correct, more and more so by the day, you are intolerant. The new definition of tolerance makes the Christian claims to the exclusivity of Jesus sound intolerant, which justifies much of the anti-Christian bigotry that is in the media and in the education system, and is getting worse by the day. The only people it's right anymore to persecute are Christians. Why? Because we insist on no other name, no one else, no other way. So under the new PC definition of tolerance, all worldviews, listen to this, are equally valid because there is no absolute, non-negotiable truth as found in the Bible. Don't tell me that there's only one truth because my truth is my truth and yours is yours. Don't judge mine and I won't judge yours. And that's the new tolerance. What's the result of all that? Listen carefully, tolerance. This concept of it has replaced truth as the primary American virtue. Watch the news. Read your papers. You know what's going on around there. You know what's going on out there. You know how they see things. Watch the way news anchors will tear into and rip into a Christian when they insist that Jesus Christ is the only way. This is Larry King's number one question to any Christian that sits on his show. Are you telling me that I've got to believe like you to get to heaven? And those that are adhering to the Word of God say, yes, Larry, that's what Jesus said. I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. That doesn't make me an intolerant bigot. That means that I am believing what my Savior said. That's it. So, church, let me inform you, the gloves are off. 
The game is afoot. And it's coming down to, are you going to be politically correct and cave into the culture, or politically incorrect and take your stand for the Word of God and for the Lord Jesus Christ? Now let me talk a little bit more about queen tolerance. And I want to clear up one of the biggest sources of confusion that are around today and that's in the church, and the whole thing has to do with judging others because you see the new definition of tolerance says you can't judge anybody you shouldn't judge anybody who are you to judge me i won't judge you you don't judge me can't we all just get along which sounds great except when you take a stand for christ they happily speedily viciously judge you since the new tolerance claims that all worldviews are equal all of them are equal on equal footing and none is better than another much of our country has been brainwashed into believing that to judge somebody is to be intolerant is that true is it true that if i judge somebody's lifestyle or i judge somebody's belief i'm being an intolerant homophobic bigot is that really true I'm going to tell you something right now. That belief that it's wrong to judge someone, it's wrong to look at somebody's life or belief system and judge it, is the hook that is in the soul of our nation, and it's going to drag us down into the abyss and into destruction. If we don't get a hold of this and penetrate that lie and realize that, no, the Bible doesn't teach you should never judge somebody. The Bible says to judge is not intolerance, it is wisdom. Now, I've told you, I've told you over and over that I've got bird feeders in my backyard, and I go out there every day, and I put it full of, of, of uh, bird seed, and I sit out there with my Bible, and I love being with the birds, my little fountain, and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is my favorite time of day. And yesterday morning, just yesterday morning, I was out there, and when I put the bird seed out, you'll, you'll see that the tree that in front of me all of a sudden fills with doves and blue jays and sparrows and finches because they know that the man has just come out there and put seed in the bird feeder. Now, I'm sitting there, I'm reading my Bible, and the, bullet, the, the, the tree is full of these birds. And all of a sudden, while I'm reading my Bible, whoosh, they went. I mean, they boogied. I mean, they fled in every single direction. Feathers flying everywhere. They got out of there. And I looked up there, and I said, did I move too fast? Did I scare them? And then in about 10 seconds, right overhead, flew a hawk. Now, I thought this to myself. What if they had been politically correct? And they, and they said, one of them said, it's a hawk. Don't say it's a hawk. That's not a hawk. I don't see a hawk. It's just a bird. It's a bird just like us. You can't call that a hawk. That's not a hawk. That's just a bird just like us. Don't you pass judgment on that hawk. And every bird that decided to remain politically correct would have been eaten alive. No, they saved their life by being willing to judge. Come on, everybody. They didn't say to each other, don't say it's a hawk. It's wrong to judge that bird. Don't judge that bird. Don't say it's a hawk. 
No, they said, right there is a hawk. He wants to eat me. That's my enemy. I'm passing a value judgment. And I'm getting out of here to save my life. Any politically correct bird would have no longer existed. He would have died on the altar of PC. Now let me tell you something. That's funny, but those birds have more sense than Americans today. Those birds. Because we see enemies coming into our nation. We see people who have spoken out loud. They wish us harm. But political correctness has muzzled us, choked us, strangled us, and kept us from calling an enemy an enemy, trying to rename them, redefine them, just for an example. And if we don't wake up and realize it's not wrong to judge, it's wisdom, we will die on the altar of PC. Now the Bible says there's two kinds of judging. Because I know what you're thinking. Well, the Bible says we shouldn't judge. Well, you're right. Jesus and Paul both taught against judging. But there's two kinds of judging. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, do not judge. And the PC people love that one. Well, even Jesus, your founder, your Savior, your Lord, your Christ said, don't judge. You're right, he did say that. He went further. He said, if you judge, you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Well, what about what Paul said? He said the same thing. He said, you therefore, in Romans 2.1, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. No doubt these verses sound like it would be wrong for us to pass judgment until you look at the original language the Bible was written in. Because the word for judge in the Bible is krino. You don't have to remember that. Just rem just. Take note of it right now. Crino is the word for judge. And it can mean two things. To condemn or to distinguish one thing from another. To condemn or to distinguish one thing from another. Those birds distinguished a hawk from a dove and said time to flee. They judged. The kind of judgment that Jesus and Paul are telling us not to be involved in is the judgment that condemns people. Jesus said, don't condemn other people. For if you condemn them, you'll also be condemned. Even Jesus himself said, I don't condemn you, but the word that I have spoken to you will condemn you in the last day. We are not to condemn. No, we're not to condemn others because we have been in the very position they're in. We're not to condemn others. But here's what Jesus and Paul in the Bible is not saying. They were not saying we should refuse to exercise judgment by distinguishing right from wrong, good from bad, godly from ungodly. Are you all there today? This is very important. For instance, let me give you an example. Jesus said you will know them by their fruits. Well, guess what? How are you going to know somebody by their fruits unless you make a judgment on the kind of fruit their life has produced? 
How are you going to know if somebody's teaching falsely if you don't judge their message? How are you going to know if somebody's living immorally or morally if you don't judge their moral lifestyle? As a matter of fact, you know the Bible says that with spiritual maturity comes the ability, the enhanced ability to pass judgment. The Bible says in Hebrews 5.14, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish, to judge between good and evil. The Bible does not teach us not to judge. It teaches us not to condemn. It never tells us to tolerate sin. It tells us not to condemn the sinner. There is a difference. If a hawk is coming towards me, I'm going to call it a hawk. And I'm going to deal with it as an enemy. And I'm not going to tell myself it's something else so that I can kowtow to some crazy philosophy that will not let me call a hawk a hawk. Not going to do it. In Galatians 6 verse 1, Paul has learned that somebody in the church has been found living in sexual sin. Well, rather than tolerating it, the church is told to deal with it. He said, brothers, if somebody is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him. If you're spiritual, you'll judge the sin and restore the sinner. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. James says the same thing. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, and somebody should bring him back from wandering, remember this, whoever turns a sinner, turns a sinner, turns a sinner, from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. How can you turn somebody from error if you don't pass judgment on what they're doing? How can you save somebody from error if you don't judge what they're doing to be erroneous? PC says, don't judge, don't say anything, don't think anything. Can't we all just get along? You sin, I'll sin, we'll all sin, we'll all be happy. Don't pass a judgment on me. Don't tell me from your Bible what, that something is wrong or right in my life. It's not what the Bible says to you and I as believers. Rather than calling for tolerance, James calls for confrontation. Do you know that one of the churches in Revelations was actually commended for their intolerance? Revelations 2.2 says, I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. That means this church that was commended by Jesus for its intolerance of sin said you did the right thing by testing what you saw and finding it to be wrong. The church is not called to be politically correct. The church is called to be politically incorrect. What we need is churches who will stand up and say, I am not going to allow cultural Marxism to muzzle my mouth. I'm not going to allow cultural Marxism to take away from me my ability to call a hawk a hawk. It's a far cry from tolerance when the Bible says, hate what is evil. Loathe all ungodliness turn in horror from wickedness but hold fast to that which is good well how am i going to know what's ungodly or what's wicked or what's good if i'm not passing judgments 
while it is God who holds the corner on the condemning market, he can condemn whatever he wants. We've got to be prepared to do the discerning kind of judging. Let me just take it a step further. Have you ever thought about how absurd it would be if we really did cave in to the preachers of tolerance? Think for a moment. If we really walked in total tolerance of all behavior and accepted the PC message and allow that message to shape us as a church and as a society, society would descend into chaos in no time. For any society, any church, any individual to survive, you've got to be willing to apply social pressure to curb behaviors that are judged unacceptable. Instead of being tolerant of any kind of activity, we have a right, we have a responsibility as the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and say, no, for instance, we will not be tolerant of the murder of unborn boys and girls. How can we be tolerant of that? And what about today's hot topic message, same-sex marriage? What about that? We're told we should be tolerant of this new definition of marriage. But how far, and I ask you today, and all of you listening by radio, our friends in the Midwest, how far does tolerance go? How long does the church allow itself to be muzzled by the preachers of political correctness, by cultural Marxism that says, don't open your mouth, don't pass a judgment, don't say a thing, leave everybody alone, leave your convictions to yourself? If America and the church cave in, in the arena of same-sex marriage, then the demand for tolerance of the marriage between one man and two women or one woman and two men is just around the corner. And how long is it going to be before an animal lover says, I love my dog? Are we to tolerate their marriage? Meet John and meet Fido. Do you, Fido? I do. Now, you think it can't happen here? You think it can't happen here? Let me ask you a question. Who would have ever guessed, even 20 years ago, we would be dealing with same-sex marriage? See, we're the frog in the boiling water. It's getting hotter all the time. And because it's been gradual and incremental, we're not aware of what's going on around us. If I could go back to the 1950s and pull somebody from the 1950s and drop them into our culture, they would have a heart attack by the end of the day. Here's the bottom line. There's no such thing as total tolerance. And there's no such thing as the church called to tolerate sin and say nothing against it because we know that sin destroys the individual. We choose to draw the line where the Bible draws the line. Where does the Bible draw the line? Marriage is the union of one man and one woman, and we are intolerant of any other definition. I want to close with this. Have you ever thought that tolerance may turn out to be the most unloving attitude of all possibilities tolerance take for example lee a father who made it very clear to his son 
that there was no tolerance for drugs in his home. We are intolerant of drugs in this home, son. And if the son crossed that line, Lee told him he would have to leave the home. The son crossed the line. And the father remained firm in his intolerance. It was a blustery, rainy night when the father took his son to the door and put him out in the street with only the clothes on his back. After closing the door, the father turned away and wept like a baby. But that act of intolerance saved his son's life. Because he got out there in the real world, had no money, and couldn't make it, started thinking about his drug usage and how his dad had taken a firm stand. And just a few months later, he came back, and the father and son were established, reunited in a wonderful relationship. And intolerance was the wisdom for the day. Now, if we as a church just cave in and say, well, yeah, same-sex marriages, and well, yeah, there is no absolute truth, and oh, yeah, there's many ways to God, not just Jesus, we are hurting them. But here's the problem, and I leave you with this. The lie of tolerance has led many Christians into error. There are many churches that believe they're doing the right thing to be tolerant when they should have stood up a long, long time ago and said, no, here's the line in the sand. It's this book, and what's in it? Because I have found this book to be true. And this book introduced me to Jesus. And this book has been my guide throughout life. And this is my primary philosophy book and my primary textbook for living, for life and living. It teaches me about morals, right and wrong, about God, about the devil, about eternity. It teaches me about everything in life and living. And so therefore, I cannot let this go across that line. I'm going to be, I'm going to have to be intolerant. If you want to call me a bigot, so be it. If you want to call me archaic, so be it. If you want to call me narrow-minded, stupid, uneducated, so be it. If you want to call me names and vilify me, let it go. I'm still not moving from the truth because one day, if even one of you, if even one of you turns from the error of your way, it was all worth it. So church, we're either going to be politically correct, cave into the culture, make no difference, anywhere at any time or we're going to take a stand and look them in the face and say in love we tell you we can't go there we are going to be happily intolerant of what you're saying we will not bow break or back down if you throw us into the oven we're going into the oven the fourth man will show up in that oven and he will deliver us one way or the other but we're not going to give in If we let that go, the only hope for freedom in America is gone. If the church doesn't stop it, it's not going to be stopped. Plain and simple. Can we stand together? Well, Pastor Jeff, what do I do? Here's what we do, and I'm calling everybody who can hear my voice, hear it on radio, to do this. We're going to have to be willing to discern, to judge what is tolerable and what is not. Judge it. 
Be as wise as those doves, at least. Two, we're going to have to hold fast to our intolerance of that which, according to God's Word, is not pleasing to Him. Third, I'm calling everyone to defy PC by refusing to cave in to the pressure to conform. Don't do it. We're not called to Marxism. We're called to freedom. Amen? Amen? Come on. Boy, I know wherever I speak, part of my family is so politically correct, it just makes me just want to go hide. I love them. I'm not talking about my little mother. She loves the Lord with all of her heart. But I've got some family members that are so totally antithetical to where I stand. And they about had a heart attack when they knew I went to a tea party. So don't get political on me, Pastor. Hey, don't tell me not to get political. I'm not only going to pray for the country, I'm going to take a stand on what I see going wrong in the country. And so um, all the time, whenever I talk to them, which isn't real often, but whenever I do, invariably I have to take a stand. I will not, not kowtow to PC. I defy it. If I know a PC word, I know they want me to say the PC word or go along with a PC thought, I will intentionally not say the word. I'll use another one. Because I'm not going to let this Marxism muzzle me. Father, thank you for your word. We pray, help this church to pierce the darkness. And Lord, one way to do it is to refuse to be politically correct. Help us to be politically incorrect as far as your truth requires it. Every person in here, and I'm going to ask every one of you with your heads bowed. I know that most of you, you're in a workplace, a work environment where PC is everywhere. And you feel the pressure all the time. If you say you're against same-sex marriage, you're called a bigot. If you say that you believe Christ is the only way, you're called a bigot. You're called a right-wing extremist. You need courage. Can I just ask you to say to the Holy Spirit and to the Lord right now, Lord, help me to lovingly stand my ground and defy PC. Amen. Well, if you needed this today, give the Lord a hand of praise, would you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, in just a minute...